Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there, my name is Jenny Rooney, Chief Experience Officer and host of Adweek's newest podcast, Marketing Vanguard. We're so excited to bring you the next evolution of CMO Moves by bringing you insightful content from our marketing community. Together, we'll dive into discussions with CMOs and other C-suite executives who are tasked daily with making decisions that in incremental or monumental ways move the needle for their brands, their companies, and the customers they serve. In each episode, we'll focus on one key idea or decision, why they made it, what it caused, whether it worked, the ripples it set forth, and how it has defined the person as a business leader. We also address missteps, poor choices, and gambles, as mistakes, of course, often yield the greatest knowledge. In addition, we'll ask each guest to share the names of people they rely on daily, as well as a recommendation for whom we should interview next. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Marketing Vanguard podcast. I'm Jenny Rooney with Adweek, and I'm so thrilled to be here today with Anne Mukherjee. She's the CEO of Pernod Ricard and Pam Forbes, the CMO. And I'm so thrilled to have both of them here because we are going to talk about, you know, having a CEO and a CMO together on this podcast is something that's really core to Marketing Vanguard and what we seek to explore. Um, Certainly on the Marketing Vanguard podcast, we talk to CMOs, but we also talk to those, that cohort of CEO who has come up through the CMO role. Um, And I think it's increasing. It really is. But what I'm thrilled about with this um, pairing is, is we can really dive into how the two of you work together and having been just you know a, a celebrated CMO at various places over the years, over the course of her very illustrious career. And Pam, you're now in the driver's seat of, of all things marketing, you know, and being able to, to coordinate and collaborate probably in ways that I would posit um, CMOs and CEOs aren't always able to collaborate. So I think that's what I would love, love to get into. So without further ado, I'd love to turn it over to you both. And if you could just for anyone who surprisingly doesn't know you, if you could just bring folks up to speed with with your career journey, because you've just got so much expertise that you are bringing to bear now. Well, you're Jen, first of all, you're very kind. Um, and I always love talking to you. You're amazing. Um, so yeah, look, I, I, uh, I'm one of those kind of typical, you know, graduated with an MBA, uh, went into marketing, which, you know, for a lot of people is brand management, you know, started with craft. Um, and uh, was there for 11 years. And it was an incredible place of learning. And uh, 
then uh, I had this unique opportunity. Uh, my mentor at the time was Irene Rosenfeld, who many of you may know was CEO of Mondelez uh, before she retired. And she um, wanted to bring me over to PepsiCo. And, uh, you know, it, it was interesting because at Kraft, marketing was very much a general management kind of um, career. And I come over to PepsiCo and uh, I start on Quaker and lo and behold, she brings me in on insights. I was like, what? And she said, Anne, you need to learn insights. I don't need you to do it. I need you to make insights actionable for marketing. What an incredible experience. It totally fundamentally changed the way I thought. Uh, ultimately became the CMO of Frito-Lay North America. And what, what I learned from that experience was marketing has gone from just building brand equity to marketing is really at the heart of value creation for business because it is the thing that is the entry point with your buyers, your consumers. They buy brands, right? They don't buy your manufacturing line. They don't buy your, you know, competitive whatever. So value creation is what I learned. And from there, you know, I became president of Global Snacks. Um, I actually became president of PepsiCo Insights. And in that journey was Pam. And Pam is the one, she's the most curious person I know. And she's the one who always looked around the corner and made that connection between consumer behavior, behavioral economics, and really understood how to put the two together for value creation. And we went through war together. And when you go through war together, there is a level of loyalty, trust, belief in each other that has lasted for decades for me and Pam. And I then went off to SC Johnson, became a global CMO, global chief commercial officer. Pam went off to Disney. And then I get this opportunity at Pernod Ricard, and I'm like, okay, you want me to literally change the way we operate here. I got to do it with someone I trust. And I mm -hmm. begged Pam to come and join me as CMO, and it's been the best ride ever. So I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, Pam, um, how long ago was that? Tell everybody. Uh, it'll be three years in June. Okay. So yeah. we've already arguably crossed the threshold of CMO tenure. <laughs> Just barely. Well here. Um, but tell us, Pam, about your journey. And then we'll kind of, you know, sure. we'll meet up together and we'll talk about what y'all are doing. Sure. Well, Anne has a, you know, traditional background. Mine's not. I got here. I didn't know that this is where I'd end up ever um, beyond my my dreams. My, my parents are public school teachers. Dad's an art teacher. Mom taught kindergarten. They knew nothing. And I really didn't know anything. And I went to, I almost went to art school, but I had, my dad was great. He, he said, you know, you've got such leadership skills. You've got such, so many other interests, like, you know, do more. And so um, I went off business degree Ended up like this computer minor, um, fell in love with the advertising agency world because it was that blend of um, art, so, like art and business. And so I did that for 12 years. And while I was at Shia Day, I learned of the account planning uh, discipline. And um, 
I just fell in love with the strategic planning, the consumer behavior, the the research part of it. And I, I sort of went on a self-learning journey. And it took me three years to make that career transition because you're already pretty entrenched in your career and you got to start over. And I had the opportunity to be a contractor actually at Frito-Lay. <laughs> and um, uh, I was working like 20 hours a week and, and within two months they offered me a job. And then Anne comes to, to Frito-Lay and it, it just was a, like, she saw things in me and she does this over and over again. She sees things in people that they don't see in themselves and keeps throwing you into these incredible deep ends and you figure it out and, and you succeed and you're like, where, how did I do that? But, um, you know, with her partnership and guidance and mentoring and coaching and all of that, um, the wars we went together. But um, I just am forever grateful. She's right. She had to beg me for this job because I, I said, no, no, you need a you need a great CMO. Like, I need you to be successful. I need you to have a great, great CMO. I gave her like five ideas. And she's like, nope, you're the one. Let me tell you why. It was it was amazing. So it's been a great you know, three years. I did cross the threshold, but. <laughs> but who cares about those? This is about <laughs> just being uh, being relevant. And to Anne's point, driving the business forward. You know, we talk about, and I think that's the framework as well for Marketing Vanguard. You know, the literal definition of Vanguard is a group of people who, through their actions and ideas, are, are, are driving change and pushing forward uh, and permanent change, by the way. So, you know, when we think about that holistically, we think about that in terms of, um, certainly the brand, but really the business and standing up in the C-suite as a true growth driver, um, you know, and then all the ways that that can permeate into culture and society, which I think, um, you know, you also have some interesting stories about. But before I, I want to dive into a lot of the things you both just said, for anybody who isn't aware, just for context, a little bit about Pernod Ricard um, for, for background. So, yeah. yeah. Um, even when I first was contacted, I was like, what? Um, and Pernod Ricard is actually the second largest spirits and wine supplier in the world. And um, we make brands that everyone knows from Jameson to Absolute to Glenlivet to Malibu. You know, these are, you know, um, mainstream brands in America. And we also have such amazing, you know, emerging gems like, you know, Monkey 47 and Mezcal with uh, Del Maguey. And so, um, you know, we have over 200 brands just in, you know, uh, across the world. And um, uh, it's an incredibly, I would say, um, purposeful company. This mm -hmm. is a company that believes in this notion of conviviality. And what that really means is, you know, we, we provide... Um, you know, solutions and brands that unlock the magic of human connection. And we can talk about more of that later and how that feeds into what we do, but it's an incredible company. Well, you know, it's interesting because, and you just articulated this in what you shared about your career journeys, but that consumer insights piece is really, every time I look at your bios and I look through the work you've done, that really is that centerpiece that is the connective tissue through all that you've done. Um, and obviously having worked at companies that you know, dive into that. That's where I would feel that you have that um, that camaraderie and that alignment. Um, and I want to get into that in a minute. Real quick, you both got business degrees 
it's, you know, Anne, you've risen up to the CEO role. Pam, you've risen to the CMO role. Um, it's interesting, just a little bit of a sidebar question here. I have done a lot of work with universities and business schools over the last several years. And the trends that I'm hearing about that I'm sure you are too is, um, you know, unfortunately, students in business school are not choosing marketing as a profession because I think there's a mistaken assumption that it's not the lucrative moneymaker that other you know, other educational tracks in business school are. Any thoughts about that perspective, advice? Um, look, uh, it's a, it's a, it, it is the topic and issue du jour, I'm telling you. Um, I'm a graduate of, of Booth from University of Chicago. Um, it's something that we talk about, and um, I'm very, very passionate uh, to work with the school to elevate how people think about marketing from being a support function yep. to one that is a strategic value creator. And, um, and it's less about, you know, we have to overhaul the curriculum. It's more about taking today's curriculum and helping people piece it together to understand that, you know, marketing is more of a business driver and therefore a path to C-suite and CEO. And I think a lot of people will go into consulting and investment banking thinking, you know, CFOs and strategy people become CEOs only. Those days are over. And I would even argue the fact that the label CMO will be gone soon. Mm -hmm. And this notion of chief, chief growth officer and this interdisciplinary ability to unite the functions of the company to supply what consumers are demanding. And that's the future. Mm, I love that you actually articulated that, Anne, because we all see the title changes and the swirl and things like that. But, you know, uh, I haven't really definitively had somebody actually say, no, this is what it is going to be, should be, and here's why. Uh, Pam, you you sought out, you had, a, you know, the creative bent or the artistic bent was sort of inherent in you, even as you're a business school graduate. Um, I also think, to your point, Maybe it isn't, some of it's curricula overhaul, right? Some of it is definitely let's make sure that what's being taught in the classrooms are is reflective of what's happening on the front lines of, of practice. But I hear you on that, Anne, because, you know, for me, it's it's much a, it's it's a marketing campaign to students about what marketing is, you know? And I also mm. think that inherent in, in that is not thinking about um, creativity or, or uh, artistic um, practices as, uh, mutually exclusive from business driving, financial only focused tasks and skills and leadership. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that might be foundational to the the new marketing narrative that students need to need to download. Um, thoughts on that, Pam, from your perspective? And when did you realize are, are just part of the same um, power that marketing holds? Sure. I I don't know that I ever saw them separate. Maybe that's because my I, we have what's called whole brain thinking. Like I, I have a, definitely a right side and a left side, this data and science. My career, 20 years, has been data analytics, research, hardcore modeling, data science, te you know, data science teams leading them. So, but I never saw it as, you know, the, just a numbers game. It was that all that data is consumer data. Yeah. And... When you use that data and you, you know, you, there is a lot of creativity in that. There's a lot of storytelling in the d data, right? If you do it well. And 
that can be motivational if you tell it in the right way to 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 multiple functions in a company can really drive change. And after a track record of showing impact, it becomes sort of a flywheel. And so I I call it being consumer centric. I don't call it being database led or math led or business led. It's just being completely consumer centric and following those data breadcrumbs that the consumer is leaving for us. Mm. But I build on three points that I think are really important, Jen, in, in what you're asking here to build on Pam's point. First, what bought Pam and me together, and she said it, is whole brain thinking. Pam, you know, started with her family with art, then she's got the data. My undergraduate degree, I've won in economics and I've won in religious theology. So I always say to, you know, people who are enter- like exercise both sides of the brain. That is absolutely key. Second, creativity is not limited to marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Creativity is actually creativity is the oxygen to growth. So the opportunity is to bring creativity into the other business functions and to bring accountability, which is in things like finance and operations into marketing. So it's, it's, you know, you have to think about it both ways and nobody thinks about it that way. Right. So, um, you know, a finance person can be very creative uh, legally, you know what I mean? But even operations, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And, we are in a supply chain crisis today. And so if you're not creative as a supply chain person, you know, that's detrimental to you supplying your business. So I just think we have to think very differently because I think the world has massively changed. You know, it's so interesting you say that because I'm spending my time in classrooms in marketing departments, but I'm not spending my time in the classrooms where they're teaching finance or accounting or anything like that. And so, I mean, you bring up such an excellent point, Anne, which is that I think we are always pushing marketers to change or pushing marketing, you know, departments or curricula or skills to change. But gosh, what about what's happening on the other side? And I hear you. It's it's just there needs to be a meeting in the middle. So I can't speak for educators on that side of, of the equation. And I nor do I have any ability to influence or, or give any of my opinion or advice because they certainly wouldn't want it. But I it's a fascinating thing that I hadn't I hadn't even thought about. You know, it's if somebody could come in from the marketing, I guess, from the marketing perspective and understand the power, just as you articulated that, that need and the evolution that needs to come. And frankly, the way creativity itself is defined in, in so many different ways, it's org design, it's process, it's teams, it's talent, it's, you know, I mean, even thinking about supply chain, you know, like there have to be an, in manufacturing processes and like creativity manifests in so many different ways. But to your point, and, and listen, I'm, I'm the worst offender as well. I think we think we hear the word creativity and it's because of the realm we live in, I guess, or I certainly do in the marketing space. That's where you're, the default is you think about marketing creativity. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, behavioral economics is what we're in the business of, right? We're monetizing human behavior. And so when people think about consumer research as a marketing tool versus a business tool, that's when they're getting it wrong. It's a business tool. And I'll, I'll give one great example from Frito that, you know, Pam was, she, she really laid out the demand science around what is predictable about consumer choice and what we saw long-term, because there are, there are moments that we know are going to grow. We know that based on analytics. And we realized that at Frito-Lay, people really wanted more choice, more individual servings, you know, uh, variety. 
Yet the entire Frito-Lay manufacturing system was built for large bag production. And because of that economic behavioral understanding, we literally at Frito-Lay changed the 10-year manufacturing strategy of how we were going to manufacture, knowing that this is the future. That's the power of a great marketer. That was one of the deep ends she threw me in. Pam, you're going to lead Strat Plan and you're going to lead a cross-functional workshop and you're going to show how all your data and analytics is going to impact every function in the company. I was like, what? I'm, 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 I lead insights. <laughs> well, that, that throwing in the deep end piece, um, you know, and by the way, I'm going totally off script here. Not, not that there should ever be, but I mean, this is just this is so much here to unpack. I just love it. love it. But, um, you know, this, this seeing in, Anne's seeing in Pam um, skills, aptitudes, and a level of leadership that she didn't even see in herself, uh, you know, but Pam, I'm sure you're way too cool. I mean, you're just such a force, you know. And, well, but, there's dozens of people that Anne has done this for. You could go, you could do a whole podcast, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, that is a, definitely a podcast for another day, but I, I you know, um, it's, I'm fascinated by that point very much because I just think in this day and age, because business and marketing are transforming so dramatically, so quickly every day, always has, but arguably everything's on hyperdrive now. You know, I think that to me, I would imagine, and, and I, you, you tell me, Anne, but I mean, that's such, or, and Pam, that's such a sign of a great leader to see things. You know, it's almost like you're taking the same skills you bring to marketing strategy and consumer insights and seeing in people their strengths and their, their the force that maybe they don't necessarily see, but but you feel like is ready to to be unlocked and used in really, really powerful ways. I mean, talk just talk a little bit more about that dynamic because I do, I do find it very fascinating. And I think there's a lot of lessons in there for um, a lot of CEOs and CMOs. Don't be humble, Ann. <laughs> it's, it's your gift. You know it. And it's what makes her a great CEO, too. Look, uh, Pam needs to talk about this. Yes, uh, look, it's it's my passion, right? It's about not only getting people to see their gift, but to help them understand that they can not only do the possible, but they can do the impossible. That I, I firmly believe in that, and that is my purpose in life. Um, but Pam is also underselling herself because Pam, again, it's one of the things that unites me and Pam. If you ask Pam, and Pam, you should talk about it, there are people that work for her in Insights back at Frito that now have their own businesses based on practices that they developed under Pam. They're entrepreneurs wow. today because of what Pam has done for them. So Pam, take mm -hmm. it away. Yeah, well, we, you know, everyone can look back at those, you know, dream teams. And we had a, we had a dream team at, at a very challenging time when the, you know, 2008, and we went through war together and we invented next practices. I, I would agree with that. And uh, many of them uh, on my team went off and started new companies and have been pretty successful at it. It's really, really a great thing to see. A track record of, again, paying it forward, right? And, and did it for me. I'm trying to do it for others. It's now become a passion of mine. Yeah, that's great. Now, listen, I have to ask, I mean, there's, there's, no relationship is smooth sailing all the time. You're both very, yeah, I'm, I mean, listen, you're both um, strong, capable, uh, experienced marketing leaders. So where, what, how do you solve for uh, differences of opinion and where you look at things just completely differently? How do you work through those moments? And do you have any examples you want to share? 
Well, we are quite different for sure. I've, um, in fact, when we when I took this new role, um, had some great advice to to sit down and actually do some assessments and and have some coaching to really dig deeper. Even though we knew each other for many many years, this was a new dynamic, and a lot of things we knew intuitively. All of, all of a sudden, we had explanations for. My data analytics brain wants to always think and you know think about it. Don't move too fast. Let's gather some more information. Anne is like get going now. So we have a, you know, this urgency. I'm always being pushed to go faster than I want to, but I'm also holding her back from like, hey, there's some things we haven't considered. And we saw this in our way, you know, our personality tests, our, the, the assessments we took, you know, on sort of our motivations and it helped explain some things. So um, Anne has been much more patient with me than <laughs> I think she is comfortable with. Well, but let me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want you to keep going. Yeah. Like this wouldn't be the dynamic that you'd have to negotiate necessarily if your C CEO had not come up through the CMO function, right? I mean, I just feel like there's, you know, you both, you've driven that car. So it's, it's, it's like, whereas if Anne had come from a completely different background, that probably some of the things that you guys look at and examine very deeply together would not be necessary. And, and you just Pam, you just go run with it. So talk about that. Yes. I, so I I went into an environment, an organization, Disney, that didn't know me. I was an outsider. You know, I it was a very different three years there. I come into this situation. And of course, we speak the same language. We can move very, I, the difference is you can move very fast. That That explicit trust, knowing that even if I mess up, there's no ill intent here. I have no hidden agenda and knows me, right? That That's really important. So that therefore we can move fast and we have completely transformed how we run this company, how, how marketing is done. And I don't think you could have done it as fast without that relationship. So it's a very big gift for me, especially as a first time CMO um, to have that. Now I do make mistakes and I do make decisions that are different than what Anne would have made. And we're, we're learning, you know, we're learning. And I think sometimes I've got it right. And sometimes I haven't. So, you know, we're, it's, it's definitely a journey and, the, but the consumer's always changing. The marketplace is changing. The competitive environment's changing. So again, that thing that's in me, that's always thinking about what's next. It's how, that's why I got into sort of the career I did and what Anne I think saw in me is, um, helps me not be satisfied with what worked yesterday. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and from your perspective, I mean, you know, those times when you, you know, you know, she, she says up and you say down, or she says left and you say right, and you know, at what point, like literally, like how do you work that through? Because the CMO in you is probably like, oh, but I really wanted to, and then she, you know, but she feels equally strongly. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I think. Um, Part of uh, why I brought Pam in is, look, I was also a CEO for the first time. And mm -hmm. so I had to also um, learn a whole new skill set that I, you know, you know, I was I was perfecting for the first time. And um, usually when I'm hired by a company, it's because there's either a turnaround or an acceleration that they're looking for. And time mm -hmm. is of the essence. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, for me, you know, I have turned over my entire leadership team 
since I've been here, except for my general counsel. He's amazing, right? And um, you have to, if you want to work with speed, um, you need to bring in someone you know. So let me right. let me give you an example. So when I first got here, remember, Pam started like a, almost a year after I did. So I was CEO, CMO, chief sales officer. I was everything because I was filling all those roles. And, you know, knowing what I know about value creation, um, you know, and how brands grow, we know that household penetration is everything. Awareness, brand awareness. It's not how this company operated. So we, we went immediately into COVID. So I had the luxury of really putting dollars where they mattered, where they had the highest ROI. I knew it. I, I didn't have the data to prove it at Pernod Ricard, but I knew it worked, right? So I came in in my first year, and I, I massively switched a ton of money into media. And then comes Pam. And I said, Pam, I've done it. <laughs> I have no clue if it's going to work here at Pernod Ricard. Every gut instinct tells me it will. I need you to show that it works. Go make it happen. And there were times, right? I was like, okay, what are you doing? Can you show me? But you know what? Here's the thing. I was dealing with a supply chain crisis. I was dealing with, um, you know, a people crisis at the time of COVID. Um, I, I had issues in, in, you know, with government. Like I, for me, I didn't have the luxury. I needed to rely on Pam. And that's why trust became really important. And um, I need someone who I know, yeah. whether she makes the same decision or I do, doesn't matter. I know that the intent of what she's trying to do is the same intent that I want. Yeah. And that's what matters. When, when you hire someone, you don't hire them for what you want them to do today. Mm. You hire them because you trust them to get you to the tomorrow that you, need, you know needs to happen. Mm. And that's why I brought in Pam. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Um, there's so many insights in that alone. Um, you did mention the transition to CEO and you had so many more things on your plate. Talk, how was, was that a hard transition? How was it? You know, and I'm, there's a lot of CMOs out there who aspire to be CEO. Um, you know, based on your experience, what's been perhaps the hardest thing? What's been the most uh, transferable skill as CMO? You know, yeah, it could I mean, be different because of your category, but I'm just curious your, your, your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, look, um, I think there are two schools of thought out there. There are CMOs who consider themselves creative CMOs, right? They, they love the, the part of the creativity of marketing. That's fantastic. And there are some companies where they need marketers like that, that, that creative is at the heart of what they do in marketing for value creation. I've always been a commercial CMO. I have always been someone uh, that does two things. One, um, help people outside of marketing see the ROI of marketing. Mm -hmm. and how it drives the business. So I'm wired that way. And I think that was my general management training at Kraft. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second thing that I think I would say to all CMOs, become indispensable to your CEO. Mm. And being at that executive table where, you know, you are talking the company's strategy. You, and when operations is presenting or sales is presenting or finance is presenting, Get underneath what they're presenting. Make the connections. And, you know, therefore, when I became CEO, when I was chief commercial officer at, at um, uh, SCJ, 
because my brain was wired that way. Like I was like a CEO in training, not knowing that I was a CEO in training. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a CMO, um, or even as a marketer, you're managing a brand, get curious. The big thing today is the days of companies being proficient, efficient, and profitable in what they make so that consumers will buy is over. Today, it's about you need to really understand where demand is going so you can shape your supply to be not only able to service it, but to do it profitably. And if you as a marketer understand that, you become you know, in the driver's seat because you then help the company see where demand is going. And therefore, you become the company's whisperer. Mm, I love and that. That's, that's really kind of how, when I took the CEO role, well, I'd never managed operations before or, you know, but I intuitively knew what to do. And then here comes the best part that I think unites me and Pam. And I think it's a leadership quality for the future. You got to be vulnerable. Mm. You got to say, you know what? I've never done this or I don't know or what do you think? And your ability to be vulnerable to learn, you have to be open to doing that. Pam is absolutely the same way. And I think that vulnerability really helps people rise because they're like, oh, okay, then I I don't want to let Ann down. Let's figure this out. So vulnerability is a good thing. It is. I love that. And it's also, um, it's, it's in everyone feeling like we're all in this together. We let's all come up with the ideas. I, great ideas can come from anywhere. Let's just please share. And if it, it, you know, and, and that's, that's a whole cultural thing that I think is just so, so key. When you were telling that, that story just now about how CMOs need to make themselves indispensable to their CEOs, um, and the curiosity and thinking ahead, I'm going to, this helps me actually, that's a great segue into my next question, which is kind of a, I think it's a, I love this question. I'm sure my colleague, Jordan, who has helped me with this podcast is like, oh gosh, Jenny, that question again, but I like it. But when I played soccer growing up and I love this, this uh, metaphor, um, you know, it's funny. I'll never forget when the coach said to me, um, um, you, you're so good at, and I was hoping he was going to say something like kicking the ball far or, you know, doing that nice pass or scoring all those goals. He said, um, you know how to anticipate. And it was just, you know, my 13, 14 year old mind was like, wait, anticipate, let me get my head around that. And, and he said, that's the, like the single biggest quality you need to have as a good soccer player, because you need to think not just where the ball is in the moment, but where it's going and solve for that and position yourself for it and then execute against where it is. So, you know, I don't need to explain that to you. That's, that's highly obvious, but that being said, your players on a soccer field, are you at the front line, you know, the striker line trying to score those goals? Are you at the midline trying to basically be that connective tissue between the strikers and the defensive uh, people at the back? Or are you at the back in front of the goal, um, defending that goal at all costs from uh, your opponent scoring? I'll leave it to you. Pam, we'll start with you. Hmm. Um, definitely not in the front. Probably in the middle. Um, I definitely spend at least a third of my time 
not even talking about marketing. <laughs> I'm I'm working with my peers. Um, it was really easy my first six months just to rely on Anne for everything. That was the easy go-to. And then it was like, I can't do that anymore. Like, I, I have to build these other relationships and I have to be a cross-functional integrator. And <clears throat> my relationship with the CFO and especially sales is so critical to my team's success. Yeah. So I... We can't just rely on Anne to make it happen for us. I've got to go build a groundswell. So I'm working to empower my team to go do what they need to do. But I'm also trying to bring the rest along. And uh, I, I definitely say I'm in the middle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm Ted Lasso. Um, I'm on the sideline. Um, you know, I have now learned as CEO, um, it isn't about what I do. Um, it's about, uh, the Zen I create on the team with the team and, um, helping them learn to anticipate where the ball is going. That's my job. And, um, that wasn't easy, right? Because what gets you here is that you're the doer. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Right. That's and you're the one, you're the one kicking the ball, right? And now it's time that you'll never even touch the ball mm. and, uh, you got to be comfortable with it. And look, it's the, even for me, that's the next level of leadership that I'm learning. And, mm -hmm. you know, Pernod Ricard's been great. My, my boss, Alex Ricard, who's the chairman, I mean, he's, he so invests in me um, to, to be the Ted Lasso. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, while we all want to win, if we can understand it isn't about winning or losing, it's about creating the dream team, the high performance team, the wind then just follows. Mm. And uh, if, if anyone has not watched Ted Lasso, I'm officially, I wish I, I, wish I could get a 10% commission of their, of their you know, um, <laughs> a revenue. But it, it is a, it's a great analogy for how CEOs of the future really need to think about, um, you know, getting off the field and letting the team really play their game. We'll be back with more Marketing Vanguard after this quick break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so Pam and Anne, I want to ask you this next question, which is, you know, as I described before, the, the literal definition of marketing vanguard, um, I'd, I'd like to ask you each, uh, you know, that action or that idea that each of you has had 
at some point in your career. It could be now during this, you know, in seat now or at previous roles. Um, but what has been that, what do you identify as that, that decision, that choice, that action, that idea that you feel has really, truly made an impact either on your company, uh, on, on the growth trajectory, um, has moved the needle, um, or has created, you know, lasting impact. And it can be, as I said, at your company, uh, in the industry, you know, in the marketing industry among your peers, because I know that CMOs are just so active and so involved in thinking more holistically about the industry overall and what needs to happen, um, or in our, in our culture, in our society, what have you done to, to really create lasting change? Do you mind if I take two answers? Because one, um, I'd say the biggest thing I've experienced in my career that impacted the company I'm working at, the growth trajectory, it's going to be a very um, maybe non-obvious thing, but is it's your strategy. You can perfect your strategy, but if you don't execute against it, it's just, it, it doesn't work, right? So how do you know what you're executing your strategy against? To me, where you spend your time and where you spend your money is your strategy. Mm. So if those aren't in line, if you're not spending your money or your time against your strategy, it's not your strategy anymore. So the biggest change, and we did this at Frito, we did it here, is centralizing the media dollar, centralizing the money, and, and having a very rigorous governance around how dollars are spent across brands, across touch points, very data-led drives tremendous ROI improvements. I, I've seen it time and time again. And that is that that governance and centralization isn't, um, you, you know, today you see this team has the performance budget, this team has the brand budget, this team has the comms budget, they're all doing things maybe in silos. Uh, and and it, it the whole won't work together. And it's probably not executing your strategy. Mm. That'd be one. Do you want to comment on that one, Anne? Or? Yeah, keep going, keep going. Oh, my second one is um, a little bit yet to be determined. My first week on the job, um, there was a big uh, boycott against Facebook for all the hate speech. Yep. And Anne's like, what are we going to do, Pam? Are we going to boycott? Are you going to join the boycott? I was like, very first decision. You have to realize I've always been in decision influencing roles. I consider myself the CMO whisperer. And now I have to make a decision my first week, a big one. And I just, you know, come from the movie business. And I said, absolutely, Anne, we, we have to join this boycott, but that's not going to do anything. The month will end and it's going to be right back to the exact same place where we are. This is a whack-a-mole situation. Mm -hmm. I've seen it in the movie business with all the trolls, the, the manipulation of ratings at, at uh, Rotten Tomatoes. We we influenced Rotten Tomatoes to completely change how they were doing their ratings because of, because of what they were what was happening, and I said the only way to to combat this is if we get a million eyes looking at what's happening and and reporting and and, and you know taking it down continuously. It's not going to happen unless we have a, a broader movement. Um, and she's like, "Great idea, let's go do, build that movement." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> And we, we, we started talking to some people and, and we have a little uh, momentum going and we, we created this thing called Engage Responsibly. And you can go to engageresponsibly.org. We invested, we put some technology and some um, processes together and a whole kit and we gifted it to the ANA because 
this isn't something that Pernod Ricard can tackle. This is something that industry is going to have to tackle together. And the ANA is about to launch it. So we're pretty excited. And I think it's going to make a huge impact. Amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, similar themes, but I'll say it as a CEO. Um, you know, two things. One, um, I have learned that uh, the power I can bring to an organization is inspire it. And so a lot of the transformation that we've been talking about that we've been leading here for North America um, have now become global practices. And mm-hmm. so while, you know, I don't have, I don't have accountability for the rest of the globe, um, I can leverage our influence to inspire others mm-hmm. uh, as, opposed that, as opposed to telling them what to do. Mm. And, I, and I think as leaders... We always think, you know, it has to be a directive versus helping people feel that it's a choice. Mm. And, um, and I've, I've, I've learned a lot and grown a lot from being able to do that and to help guide people versus telling them what to do. Mm. And it's, it, that creates more permanent change than, okay, I have to do it because she told me and when she's gone, I'll go back to the way I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, one thing I learned a long time ago, you can, you can make people do what you want them to do because you pay them. Right. Mm-hmm. But the one thing you can't make anyone do is to give you your energy. Mm. Energy is owned by people. And because you can't measure it, um, people can choose to give you the energy you deserve or more of your fair share of energy than you deserve. Mm. That only happens through inspiration. So that's mm. one. Mm. The second one I would tell you is, I think it was in The Godfather that says, you know, it's not, it's not personal, it's business. I consider that to be crap. We spend more time in our jobs than we do at home. It is personal. Mm. And, you know, I do firmly believe that the values that you have as a leader, you know, should, man- man- should match the values of the company that you work in. But beyond that, you should put your personal on the line in a way that makes you comfortable. And, you know, a lot of people who know me were surprised that I was going to go work for an alcohol company because my mother was killed by a drunk driver. Mm -hmm. But my husband was the one who said, this is the universe telling you you're going to get a seat at the table Mm -hmm. because you can actually change the bad into good. Mm -hmm. And so I did make my personal the business. And this notion of giving back responsibility. We talk about return on responsibility, not just investment. And being as a leader to make profound change in the industry for responsible drinking and hosting. And it's part of what I do. And um, I'm, I'm not shy about it. And I don't think other leaders should be shy about changing for the good. Mm. Um, Powerful. I mean, it's just so powerful. It's recognizing too the the influence you hold, you know, and using it um, to the advantage of everyone, right? I mean, really, that's that's what it needs to be about. Um, I am going to now ask the counterpoint to that question, which is, uh, and and this comes from other CMOs I talked to have said, I I've heard all the great stories, I've heard all the really the wins, the successes, but I want to hear the mistakes, I want to hear the failures, I want to hear the missteps. Like, tell me those stories because we're all making them, and you learn so much from mm. from the mistakes. So, tell me each about a time that you made a misstep or flat out failed, and you were like, 
that was horrible, but here's what I learned. You want to go first, Pam, or do you want me to? <laughs> go first while I think about okay. it a minute. Um, I'll give you two really big ones. Um, the first one was, if anyone will go and Google it, you, you can read about it. It was the Sun Chips compostable packaging. Um, here you got this huge brand uh, that, you know, Frito-Lay is trying to reposition as uh, not only better for you, but better for the planet. Mm-hmm. Because it was at the heart of the of the brand, and uh, we were very early technology on compostable packaging, and uh, you know we had test results that said hmm, could be tricky, and uh, you know and I always believe you know testing is always not about decision making. Testing is about guiding decision making. Um, I was a CMO, first time CMO, never been a CMO before, and my predecessor had really pushed for this. So I felt it would be wrong for me to reverse course, and we went forward. And it was a unmitigated disaster. Um, That packaging was so loud that there was actually a test done that went viral that it was louder than the New York subway when you opened it. Oh, my goodness. So we were were in the news. It's all over the place. We, of course, um, you know, changed the packaging back. But here's what I learned from it. If you don't take those risks, um, you'll never move forward. Every brand, it's how, it's not the stimulus, it's the response. And, you know, if, if consumers see you have positive intent, make positive actions, they'll give you credit for it. And that's exactly what happened with Sunchips. And so now, probably should have had a better contingency plan than we did, but I, if you ask me what I have done it over again, uh, the same thing, I would have. Hmm. Because we were trying to be bold. And people who are bold have to take calculated risks. Hmm. And it, it was a big one. It, you know, my career was on the line. I was a CMO. Thankfully, you know, I had the support of the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second failure I will tell you is this, at the same time when I became CMO, this is the problem. When you get that big jump in your career... The imposter syndrome sets in and it's like, well, it's all about me and I have to prove myself because what if they made the wrong decision? Mm. Bad thinking. Because Mm. I became CMO and I was like, okay, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you know what I did? Never talked to my leadership team. Never talked to the organization. They felt completely abandoned. And man, it showed up in my 360. I mean, I was called into the CEO's office of like, uh, we may have made a mistake with you. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. And that's when I learned humility. Mm-hmm. That, you know what? I don't know everything. I remember I invited my leadership team to my home. Pam was on my leadership team at the time. And I stood up in front of them and I said, I screwed up. I let you down. Should have never happened that way. And I had to build the trust back. And we did. We did. We became one of the best teams ever. Mm. But to excel, you have to sometimes said, I did it wrong. I was yeah. wrong. And not yeah. be scared to change. Yep. Such, such great uh, lesson for everyone. Truly. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. But that's the whole thing. Pam? And it's okay if you've never... Sure. Uh, and then you don't have to talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I was on that Sunship's research end, <laughs> and it was really frustrating not to be able to influence, you know, with what was, you know, clearly clear data. And I, I my my mistake is going to be more of a career mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, I having, you know, deep my whole team we're, we're deeply now I call it navel gazing, <laughs> looking at data, looking at the research, building, you know, stories, trying to influence and thinking the work is what's going to get your career advanced. If I just do great work, it's outstanding work. It's leading. It's inventing next practices. Why wouldn't I get promoted? <laughs> and I remember one of the hardest years uh, leading the insights function, and I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. I'm having my annual review, and my boss gives me a needs improvement. And I've worked the hardest I've ever worked in my life. I had spent more hours at the office. I had spent, I blood, sweat, and tears. Like, what do you mean needs improvement? You're doing all this activity. You're not having very much impact. Mm. And it's like, because impact is where it is. Again, insights to action. And I had to totally rethink, like for a minute, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to, I need to find a new career. Like I, but I, I regrouped and frankly, I rebalanced my personal life because I realized I needed to, you know, get balance in my life. And I completely changed sort of how I was approaching my job, like as if it was a brand new job. And I did a lot, uh, I'm a voracious self-learner. So I, I just, I started going to town on leadership training. And one of the uh, trainings and books that really blew it wide open for me was um, High Integrity Politics. Survival of the Savvy is the name of the book. And I was like, politics, like politics is a bad name, right? No, actually, you can be under political, over political, but you have to be sort of the right part of political. And that in the in the war we went through together, real time training on the job in the trenches, training with with new skills and techniques. And frankly, I've had five coaches, I think, in my career now. I'm still using coaches because they really help me see what I don't see and ex- and, and continue to accelerate. But um, you know, at some point around that director level, it's not about your competencies anymore. It's about your leadership skills, and that's what's going to make the difference. Amazing. Amazing. And it was a gift to get that needs improvement or I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be. I mean, and it's extraordinary too, because it's, I I can imagine, because I've been in those places when you're like, wait, how is, how I've interpreted what I've been doing so different than what this person is, you know, it's just that I think is so jarring, right? The the lack of alignment and what am I missing? Am I that, you know what I mean? I know. And think on the other end, how courageous it was for Anne to do that. And it was a gift. And at the time, it didn't feel like a gift. And by the way, I've had to use it myself. Yeah. And it, and I've, I've seen incredible yeah. transformations of people and their career trajectories because yep. of it. You're actually doing a disservice if you don't. Right. But then it's out of your hands that how how it's received at some. That's right. Because you can't control that, but you give the chance. Um, we have to wrap, and I can't believe that I want to ask you our, the because the, this, I, I, this has flown by talking to you both. Um, last quick question, though, real quick, I just want to ask, we always ask this at the Marketing Vanguard podcast, because we want to open the aperture and shine the light on new faces, new names, new perspectives, new leaders, um, heading up marketing. 
um, or other folks in this industry that are driving change in meaningful ways. And so would love to ask each of you to share a name of who's next. Who should we invite onto the Marketing Vanguard podcast? So I'm going to give mine. Um, Pam, I don't know if I'm stealing yours, but um, there was a woman that we worked with at Frito. Um, her name is Marissa Jarrett. She's currently the CMO of 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people don't know about Marissa is, um, you know, she's brilliant. She's, she was brilliant when she was a puppy, when, when she used to work <laughs> for us. And um, Marissa went through a really life-threatening situation. And um, that woman, the courage she showed, the bravery, um, was remarkable. And um, she not only overcame her adversity, I think she's thrived even more since it. And mm-hmm. I look at what she's doing at 7-Eleven, and I'm so proud of her. She is, she's just rocking the world. Um, and, you know, if you do a podcast, man, I'll be the first to tune in if it's Marissa Jarrett. We'll call her. Thank you. No one better. I can't, I can't add Perfect. to that. Perfect. She'd be perfect for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will be reaching out to her uh, very, very soon. And um, in the meantime, I I can't thank you both enough. This has just been extraordinary. I'm going to, when I post this, I'm going to say, you must listen to this (laughs) world. So really fun. Thank you, Jenny. Jen, you've always been the best and it's been a privilege and an honor to be on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 